0: I want to start the book of Ephesians, and I have really, even though the Lord told me to do this last November, he told me to we'll would do what I did, um, uh, plan A, finding your destiny, and then I knew this was coming, and I was excited about it. Ephesians is my favorite book, but then I started thinking about my friend, and who's coming in January, I get to call him friend, Rick Renner, and I'm not him. So I'm not going to teach Ephesians like Rick Renner would teach. And I know Pastor Rhonda said they know that. They know you're Mark Garver. And the Holy Ghost even said, because um, I started doing some things. I started going through what everybody else taught in Ephesians. And I listened to this guy who I highly respect. And I was listening to him, and I fell asleep. and Because it's just, it's just not the way I would do it. So the Holy Ghost just goes, finally got a hold of me today and just said, Why don't you just do it the way I use you? Okay let's do that. Yeah. And uh, so um, I love this book. Uh, it's my favorite go-to book in the Bible. I believe uh, one of the reasons I like it, and one of the reasons I believe the Lord has asked me to teach on it with you, and I've never taught all the way through Ephesians. I'm not going to do it line upon line. I'm not going to break down every word, and, and I'm not going to do it that way. I'll wait for the, um, what is it called, the Renner interpretive version. I'll wait for that one. And, um, <clears throat> but what I am going to do Is when something sticks out to me, I'm gonna when it's something like as I'm meditating, as it jumps off the page at me, um, that's when I'm gonna minister to you on. And so we'll work our way through the book of Ephesians. But um, I love this book again. Um, One of the things I I wanted to do was to pattern Cornerstone Word of Life Church after the book of after the church at Ephesus. Um, it's just always stuck out, st- stood out to me. And so um, I want to start then, give you history um, from the Word of God. Let's start in Acts chapter 18. Woo! Here we go. Acts 18, uh, verse number 18. It says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then he took leave of the brethren and sailed thence to Syria. With him were Priscilla and Aquila, two of my favorite people. Having shorn his head, he shaved it off bald, hallelujah, because he had made a vow. And so you see, if you look back in eighteen one through five, this is where he was when he met Priscilla and Aquila. It's important that I get this to you because even the book of Ephesians was written by Paul by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But if you notice, whenever the Holy Ghost writes to a church, it's because of what's going on currently in that church. And then it became the word of the Lord to us, the word of God to us. It was inspired, and it's for everybody. But there's some particular things that have to do with that city and with that church that were shared without, uh, for everybody and, and all of us who are born again. And so it says, and, these, and there, it's important, after these things, uh, verse 1... Paul departed from Athens and t- came to Corinth. And found us, so he's in Corinth, you know, that um, wild church. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, uh, lately came from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came to them. So Priscilla and Aquila are in Corinth, it seems. And because he was of the same craft, and he abode with them and wrought for, by occupation, they were tent makers. So um, Pr- uh, Priscilla and Aquila had to get out of Rome. And then they found themselves in Corinth. And they were tent makers. And birds of the same feather flocked together. And really what happened was what? God divinely caused Paul and Priscilla and Aquila's paths to meet, and uh, so they were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when and then when Silas, remember Paul, who he's traveling with, Silas, and Timotheus, Timothy, were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So what is happening here is a little team is forming. So you've got the Apostle Paul, you've got Priscilla, Aquila, you've got Silas, and you've got Timothy. And there's others, but these five are very important, plus an addition, that are, uh, that are going to go to Ephesus. Because it says here, and then verse, 24, uh, verse 18, 19 again, it says he came to Ephesus. And, the, and so then it goes on to say this in, in, verse, in verse 24. Here they all are in Ephesus because then a certain Jew named Apollos. Anybody ever heard of Apollos? Apollos became a very well-known teacher. Some people believe he wrote Hebrews. Who do I think wrote Hebrews? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Um, it's the Word of God. And whether it was Paul, whether it was Apollos, whether, I don't care. Don't, t- don't come up to me and tell me you know because I don't care. Um, so, um, so this is the deal, though. It is the Word of God. And uh, so I don't know. People are really strong about it. I'm not. The word's the word. And so Apollos, though, remember, though, he became very popular because uh, Paul had to say, you know, Jesus is the one died for you, not me and not Apollos. So Apollos became a very weighty teacher. But he, he he was a good, he was weighty, man. He was a good teacher. And so it's interesting that he's there. And so uh, there was a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in Scripture, and he came to Ephesus. Mighty in Scripture meant he was a preacher of the Old Covenant. I mean, you know, the Old Covenant is still the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is the Word of God. Amen? We have a new and better covenant established on better promises, but you don't, throw away the old covenant. you don't throw away the Old Testament. Anybody ever tells you to rip it out or you don't have to read it anymore, you need to quit listening to them. Because if the new quotes it, I guess it's still God and it's still good. And the Psalms are still good and all that's still good. And, uh, uh, you know, how many you know that we, you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments anymore, but if you walk in the Spirit, you will keep the Ten Commandments. Right? So Apollos was a mighty teacher of Scripture for what he knew. That's interesting. And it says um, uh, he was eloquent, mighty in Scripture, and it came to Ephesus. So now we got got, um, Paul. We got Priscilla, Aquila. I always mention mention her first, Priscilla, Aquila, because I believe in studying a little bit. I believe she was the stronger of the two. And I believed Aquila was okay with that. I, 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 sit, I see that in some places. But anyway, so we got um, Priscilla, Aquila, we got Silas, we got Timothy, and now we got a new team member because it says this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he was an Old Testament preacher who had gone to John's baptism. uh, And like some, obviously, in Ephesus had, or that region, uh, because of something I'm going to show you in just a minute. But he only knew the baptism of John, but he was up preaching what he knew. He was up preaching what he knew. We can never get mad at somebody for preaching what they know. As long as it's scripture, even if they don't know as much as you know or I know, know, that's a little haughty, isn't it? Yes, it is. And so we don't want that because that's called pride. But he was doing what he knew. But this is what I like about him. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when uh, Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him unto them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. It wasn't like this is wrong, but you want to know what else happened? Do you want to know what else is available? Yeah, let's get you saved, water baptized, and let's get you filled with the Holy Ghost. And obviously, that is what happened. And so he took what he knew and the anointing that he had, because I do believe he was already anointed. God anointed him. And because he was expounding what he knew, and then Priscilla and Aquila happened to be there and got him, pulled him aside and taught him the way more correctly. You've all heard my testimony. I believe I have a Priscilla, Aquila wrapped up in one. Her name was Margaret. She wouldn't call to the ministry. She was just a woman who knew the word, and I was a little squirrely when I started because I started hanging out with a little squirlier group, you know. And uh, she, she, because the Holy Ghost was moving and stuff happened, but she would take me aside and she would just, she would. Just say things and do things and take me, uh, her and her husband would take me places and we would talk the word. And even after I got out of Bible school, she uh, gave me an office in her um, uh, real estate complex and just really did. And and even, uh, 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 I'll just tell you what she did one time. I don't know if she would admit this. Uh, She probably would. Um, I haven't talked to her in a while. But now we go up to her daughter and son-in-law. Trent and Rhonda Cloyne and Champagne and we go out and preach there and she's there. But uh, I, I just adore this woman and her husband, Marty. They really blessed me. But I remember, uh, I think it was my second or third missionary trip. Oh, I sound like Paul. On my second or third missionary journey, um, I was going to Brazil and uh, the money just wasn't there. And Margaret had all. she was, um, she, was she, she did all right. She was the queen of um, real estate in the little hometown. Um, she almost won a write-in because can- she was upset, I think, at the two candidates that were running for mayor in our town. And she almost won a write-in candidate the last, I think she put her name in like the last month. And she almost won. Um, so, so, you know, some, she was known. And she had some money. Let's just put it that way. And she always blessed me. They blessed me. They, they really took care of me. And so I was about ready to go. And I think this is my third one. And um, I was like, Margaret, I'm getting ready to go to Brazil. She's like, I know. I was like, okay. I'm like, are, are you going to help me? And and I'll never forget it. This is what a Priscilla and Aquila will do for you. And everybody should have some. I like it. Uh, I think June said this long, long time ago, where she came from, her pastor said, uh, you should always have someone mentoring you and you should always be mentoring somebody. So you should always have someone speaking into your life and you should always be speaking into somebody's life. Because you're not a, you're you're not, it shouldn't just stop with you. It should go into you and it should help somebody else. So I remember her looking at me. She looked at me like a mama looks at you. She said, I'm going to help you this time, but don't you ever ask me for money again. She said, you believe God, and if God talks to me, you'll get it. Don't pull on me ever again. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And she meant it in love, and it really set the tone for my life and pastoring. I don't pull on people for money. Because it's icky. I don't do things to pull on people for money. I don't like ministries who do. I don't like schemes. I don't like gimmicks. And it really came for that one moment. I could probably take you to where her office was, where we were standing, and I was just expecting a check, but I got kind of a lecture. But a Holy Ghost lecture will save your bacon. I don't share that very often. But it's, so Priscilla's and Aquila's are good. Now, this is a mighty team that you've got going into a city called Ephesus. And this city of Ephesus, Rick Renner says, it was the fourth largest or most important city in the civilized world at that time. And so it was a port, and there were people from everywhere. And so we got Priscilla, Aquila, and... uh, Paul and probably Timothy and Silas, they, were, they sailed in and they were there and they met up with Apollos. And so they've got this ministry team, and that's a pretty good, knowing the history of the Word of God, that's a pretty good team going into a city to establish a work where there was none. There were a lot of temples. Uh, people came there regularly to worship at this place. It was very pagan. Um, there was a lot of that. Uh, the Artemis was the dude, the the, the whatever. And um, remember, it was in it was in Ephesus that the guy, the the silversmith, rose up and said, "These guys are going to put us out of business." And so, because there was so much going on, so the church, I think, the work had started. Paul went away, and then you remember this, and I want to look at this. I, I'm doing this because if you know what went on in Ephesus and then you from the Bible and then you know what's written to Ephesus it'll make more it'll be more meaningful so what's going on so God supernaturally sent a team to a city that had never heard the word and he sent the group this is a weighty group this was a powerful group God intended to start a base there a base of ministry where others could go from there. And so this, he sent a team, and he sent this team to, to go into kind of the, the teeth, if you will, of where everybody came, you know, like one time a year, the city's population would swell from like 200,000 to a million as they came to worship at the, the temple, Artemis or whatever. And they would, you know, and it was a big moneymaker, maker. And it was really important. But God sent this group to start a base of ministry. So the devil had a base there, but God's like, I'm going to take a base, and we're going to kick your base out. (laughs) And so that's what the whole thing of it is. And so in Acts chapter 19, it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said to them, and, and know that they've already been in Ephesus, they've already been doing some work, but I think this is interesting because the same thing happened with Apollos is the same thing that happened here. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, we don't ever heard that there is a Holy Ghost. And he said, what have you been baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. And so you know what happened? They got saved, water baptized, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And there was twelve of them. And then in verse eight of nineteen, what's going on is Paul sticks there in Ephesus to build a base. And the first thing he does is after he gets these twelve filled with the Holy Ghost, I think he's just on his way. He saw them there together. Uh, something happened. He he ministered to them, and it says, and he went to the synagogue and he spoke. Uh, and that's what he did a lot of places. So these are Jews, not some born again, some not born again. But that's where they went. And he spoke boldly for three months. Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So the Jews and the Greeks that would listen to him who we went to the synagogue, he was there about three months. But then uh, they got tired of him. It says, when divers were hardened and they didn't believe but spake evil of what he was saying to the multitude, he decided, I'm leaving. He did a little shake the dust off. And then he didn't leave there, though, but he found someone called Tyrannus. And I love Tyrannus because it's my view of uh, how Paul did this. It's my view, it's our view of how to reach the world um, with the gospel. I believe that if you're going to have a change in a nation, it has to be through a Bible school or a school network. Because you have to train pastors, you have to train leaders, you have to train people in the word of God. And I love this. It says, so he left there. Now, Tyrannus, whether he, uh, we don't really know. Was Tyrannus somebody who, um, he had a school, but what kind of school it was, we don't know. And I uh, again, I said I brought up Rick's name, but I'm going to give him credit for this one too because I sure didn't find this out. He said that it seemed to him in his study that uh, the uh, Ephesians would work early in the morning till about um, 1.00. And then they would take four or five hours off, and then they start up again because of the weather, because it was hot, because, you know, there's no AC. Aren't you going to find the guy who invented AC or woman in, A, in heaven and say, thank you very much? I lived in Alabama. Thank you for AC. And, and, but anyway, because they have to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Um, but but he, he says, it says here that, um, it says he spoke in one school, Tyrannus, and then the next verse says something, and he continued by the space of two years. So that all which, uh, he did this in the space of two years, so that all that heard, uh, the Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so he disputed daily, he disputed daily. I want you to get, everybody say daily. Daily. So every day, what Rick Renner said, and I'm I'm not anyone going to argue with Rick Renner, um, from one to five every day, he taught in a Bible school for two years solid. Now What happened? And this continued space for two years, so that all, everybody say all. All. That which dwelled in Asia. Now, Asia is not Japan, China, Thailand. That's not the Asia it's talking about. Most people say it's one-third of modern Turkey. um, But the truth of the matter is, that was considered Asia back then. But it's still a great big group of people with no internet, no radio, no TV. So by word of mouth, because every day... Paul preached the word. Every day, Paul preached the word. And people came to listen to him every day. And in that two year space of time, in that two year space of time, not through Paul's mouth, but through the people that he taught, everyone, and all means all, the Bible does not exaggerate, everybody in, in that Asia at that time, most people say, like I said, it's like uh, one third of modern, what we would call Turkey, that area. Everybody who was a Jew and a Greek heard the word and had a chance to be born again. All because Paul went to Ephesus. Now, what does that have to do with you? Well, maybe you don't think it has anything to do with you, but if you go where God tells you to go, if you do what God tells you to do, if you do your assignment, whether that's a business, whether that's your career, whether that's you going uh, to where God told you to go to church, being involved in how God told you to go to church, it works the same for everybody. You just have to do what God told you to do. You don't have to do my assignment because you can't, and I can't do your assignment. You have to do your assignment, but you do have an assignment. I said, you do have an assignment. Come on, y'all. I just taught on three months <laughs> about finding your place. Everybody said, I have an assignment. <laughs> you better do it, too you better do it too. Well, I, I don't No excuses. You just better do it. Don't you get mad at me. Just do it. Everybody say, I'll do it. I'll do it. See, if you do your assignment, you're just in line for miracles, right? right? Mama Mary said, whatever he says, do it. So just do it. Whatever that is. So he did it. A great, a lot of opposition. They were, t- isn't that interesting? They're tired of him in the synagogue where he normally went everywhere else. And even though, some, you know, everywhere Paul went, he created a revival or a riot or both. But instead, he was called to Ephesus to begin something, a minister, a hub, a church, and he didn't leave there. Uh, his footprint or his handprint or his what he taught uh, became embedded in Ephesus. And the same thing for you and I, um, whatever God has called us to do, if we'll do it, then God does it. All right? So, going on here, I, 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 if you, I want you to know what happened in Ephes- Ephesus. So, how many you know if that we just stopped there and everybody who is a Greek or Jew heard? How many you know that's pretty cool? And then, how many of y'all like special miracles? This is in Ephesus, where God told him to be where it was hard. And God wrought special miracles. Anybody want special miracles? Special miracles happened in Ephesus, where it was hard, by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul was so anointed in his, their place, that he would wear claws, that the anointing was so strong that they would take those claws and evil spirits and diseases departed. And we do that because it's some of the wo- it's what the word of God says. But th- but listen. And then I don't have time to read it. But remember, then it was going so good, and evil spirits were leaving everybody. Then we got the seven sons of Skiva. I always say every time I say that name, that's a really bad name. His his mama did not like him. Skeva. And then remember they said, we adjure you uh, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And remember, uh, they all got beaten up and got naked. You know, they kicked them out. It was bad. It was bad. They got whooped. I mean, you're never going to get whooped because you know the name of Jesus and you have a revelation. Amen. That's the lesson we learned. And then verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews. So this thing that happened was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. So reverence came. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. All this happened in Ephesus. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their. So this was a demonic place. This was uh, temple worship, not just Artemis, but all kinds of temples, everything, because everybody was from someplace else. Everybody, this was a port. Everybody's from someplace else. And so every one of their beliefs, uh, they even, uh, 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 Rick said this, I, w- I would like to find out, where I'm going to ask him about this, how do you find this out? But even the, the legendary Amazonians, those, the women warriors, they were said to have had a temple there. Don't know. So Zena might have been there. I don't know. I don't, is that her name? I don't know. How do I know that? I don't know. Let's not talk about it. All right. Um, it was a TV show. Um, anyway. Um, it says, and they brought other books and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found 50,000 pieces of silver. So you know I had to look that up, right? The minimum people say that it was was 5.5 million. The maximum someone said was 1 billion. So we'll go with the, we'll go with the, because le- the lesser one, 5.5, but there's most of the, that, That's a whole lot of money. And, and that's when everybody started getting nervous. Because you're gonna throw away that much money because you're gonna serve God. That's the kind of church, that's the kind of impact that he was having. That's the kind of church. And then I have I have a lot of good notes, and I don't know if I'm gonna get to them all, but Revelation, you gotta know, you know, you gotta go there. Revelation chapter two. So after everything has started and Jesus is resurrected from the cross, he appears to John on, uh, and, and John the Revelator, and he says, you know, he's on this island, and so he says to him, record these things, and he says, I want you to talk to each one of these churches, and different people have different things. I don't believe these seven churches are seven different dispensations. I believe these are seven churches that were actually there, and the angel of the church is not an angel that's talking about the pastor. These are real letters, like, y'all better do this, y'all better do this. Um, I, ha- I have somewhat good I want to say about you. I got some bad stuff I want to say about you. And at the end, he said to do what? Repent. So that means repentance is good, repentance is right, repentance is a gift. But here in, the book of, here in Revelation 2, to the angel, the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works. How many know the Lord knows all of our works? I know your labor. I know your patience. I know how you cannot bear them which are evil. You're not going to put up with stuff that's not from God. How you have tried them which say that they are apostles and they're not, and you found them to be liars. So you're not going to put up with any false apostles or false prophets. It irritates you. You're not going to put up with it not going to listen to them. You're not going to, as the pastor, you're not letting people listen to him. You're just not letting it go by. Mm-hmm, that's right. And has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, remember this one, I got something against you. You have lost your first love. So you've got revelation, you're doing everything right, but you better be careful that you don't lose your love for the Lord and that you don't lose your fire. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen and repent, and do the first works, or else I'm going to come to you quickly and remove the candlestick out of this place, except you repent. So even though you did everything right, they were, the, they were this way. The Lord was this way with them. Everything is good. You know all this stuff. You got great revelation. So Paul had built up a really good church. Later, you'll find out that he turned it over to Timothy, and Timothy was a good, strong, young pastor, and great things were happening. And he said, you all have really uh, grown, but I'm just telling you, I'm not happy that you lost your first love. So you better be getting on fire, you better get back to the first works, and you better love Jesus. And so everybody say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's the background. So how about we just get started? <laughs> and uh, we don't, you know, that took a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but I'm very happy with it. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. And it's kind of good to know the background. I was able to do that when I teach on the seven churches out of Revelation. I love looking at all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, because it does help you. So here in Ephesians, I don't know how long we're going to do this on Wednesday night. I don't know how often I'll pull in some other things, but this is the way I'm going to do it. Uh, Something jumps off at me. Uh, We're going to look at it. So Paul, we'll just start Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, what jumps off the page to me is we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Yes. Everybody say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. With, all. with all. How many is all? all? All what? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So, all heavenly, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Are y'all in Christ? Yes. Is He in you? Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh. All right. Yeah, we'll save that. You wanna save it? Right, let's save that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So say I'm sorry. Blessed. Everybody say I'm blessed. blessed. Glory to God. I wasn't really done. Hallelujah. Ephesians one to three. So I want you to see this. Second Corinthians one twenty. Second Corinthians one twenty. Everybody say, I'm blessed. blessed with all spiritual blessings. For all the promises of God are in him are what? Yes Yes and amen. So everything that Jesus provided to you is a yes and a so be it. How many of the spiritual blessings? All of them. Have they been provided? To everyone who's what? In Christ. For all the promises of God in him. So you're in him. So this is an in him reality. This is an in him. But you got to be in him. And it's not just born again uh, to receive these. You, gotta, you have to have a revelation that you're in him. You have to have a re- that what he did, you have to have a revelation of. And when you know what he did, then you can receive what he has done and you can walk in him. In him, you live, you move, you have your being. But in him are all spiritual blessings. And all those spiritual blessings are yours in Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God are what? So every promise... Every promise. That's why you find your promise and you stand on it. In other words, you speak it and you believe it. That's yours. All the promises of God are yes to you. Healing is yes to you. Salvation is yes to you and all that it includes. So protection is yes to you. Blessings are yes to you. Peace is yes to you. It's yes to you. It's not maybe to you. It's yes to you. Because you're in Christ. Every good and perfect gift is yes to you. No, every good, I know you know this, but every good thing is yes to you. Because you're in him. The promise is to you, and it's yes, and it's amen, unto the glory of God by us. And then... If you look at Galatians 3, 13 and 14, let's look at 13 too. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, "Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham, so that, what is that? Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Abraham's blessing is a spiritual blessing. Whose is it? It's yours if you're in Christ Jesus and you believe it. So you've been redeemed from everything that Jesus redeemed. Come on. You've been redeemed from the. So you're blessed coming in, blessed going out. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. Everything you put your hand to shall be blessed. You are the healed of the Lord. You're the blessed of the Lord. Every part of the curse that's found in Deuteronomy 28, you've been redeemed from it because you have been said yes to you. It's yes to you. It's yes to you. It's yes to you. It's yes to you. you. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.10. Colossians 2.10. And you are complete in him. Why? Well, how did you get so complete? Because every spiritual blessing is yours. Because the spiritual blessings are yes and amen to you. Because you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So you are complete. To be complete means you lack nothing. Amen. Everything that God has is available to you. I said it's available. Pa- people ask me all the time, well, Pastor Mark, do you believe everybody gets healed? No, I don't. I know everybody doesn't get healed. I know that it is the will of God to heal everybody. And I know that if you'll receive, you can, and, and, you, and you receive the word, you, you receive by faith, you will, and are healed. Every born again believer, it's the will of God to prosper them, but everybody doesn't walk in godly prosperity. Why? You have to receive it. You understand what I'm saying? Is everybody blessed? No. Everybody's supposed to be blessed, but everybody doesn't walk in their blessing because it has to be received. The promise is to you. The promise is for you. The promises are yes and amen. But you, there's a God part, and there's still your part. You gotta find yourself in him. And you gotta know you're in him, and you gotta walk in him, and you gotta do what the Bible says do. But you gotta start off with, man, and this is good news. The good news is what? It starts out in Ephesians, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. He has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. All of them. (laughs) I said all of them. I said all of them. Hallelujah. Okay, Ephesians 1.4. According as he has chosen us in him, he chose you and I in him before the foundation of the world. So it's just like what I was talking about. I always say before you did anything right or wrong. Well, definitely before you did anything right or wrong because this is before the foundation of the world. He chose you. In other words, he was, Jesus was going to make it available for you to be in him. He always knew, the word always knew that there was going to be a time when you could be in him. Amen. I don't, how? I, I don't know. It says so. According to chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Hallelujah. That you should be holy and without blame before him in love. You should be holy. Um, Colossians 1, 20 through 22. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. Are you grateful for the cross? By him, there it is again. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. Verse 21. And you that were sometimes. Aren't you glad that was a while back? You were sometimes alienated. And even an enemy. In your mind, by your wicked works, by the sin you were doing, yet now he has reconciled. No, we got to stop on reconciled. That's an accounting term. Your account has been reconciled. (laughs) That makes me happy. (laughs) Paid in full. Reconciled. It's reconciled. The Lord loves accounting. Hallelujah. Verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death. To present you. Because you know you start talking about holiness. People get all weird. And holiness to most people is outward stuff. But I'm trying to be holy. Well, quit trying. And just know that you are. Yes. To present you holy and unblameable. How could that be? The blood of Jesus. The work of the cross. The redemption of each and every one of us. He made us righteous. He made you holy. So it's only from that place that you can be holy. You can't do this in your own strength. You got to... You got. Come on, settle it, reconcile it with yourself. I am holy. Yes, say it, whether you, whether you think it yet or not. Say, I am holy. I am holy. Hallelujah. I'm a holy roller, hallelujah. I'm holy and unblameable and run through approval inside. Uh, a good definition of holy is hallowed, consecrated, set apart to a sacred use. Or a, a service to worship the Lord. It's a state of being holy. It's purity. It's integrity of moral character. Freedom from sin and it's, it's sanctity. So 1 Peter chapter one verse fifteen and sixteen. What are we looking at? According His chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. But as He which has called you is holy, how many know Jesus is holy? And now it says, "So be ye holy." In a manner of all manner of conversation, verse uh, sixteen, because it is written, "Be holy, because I'm holy." So how can I be holy? I have to know He's holy, and I have to know He made me holy. And then you be holy. He's holy. He made me holy. Now I'm going to be holy. He's holy. He made me holy. Now I'm going to be holy. What does that mean? Well. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's been bought with a price. You ought to check with the owner what he wants you to do with it. It's my body. What's the mantra today? It's my body. Well, you can only say that if you're not born again. If you are born again, it is not your body. It's been bought. No, don't get quiet on me. This is Wednesday night. You all know better. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's been purchased. Your body is a member of the body. It's not just your spirit. Your body is a member of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. This is his body. This is where he lives. Like Mama said, be careful where you take him. Yes. Yes. Mama was right. Not about everything. We won't tell her. Hallelujah. But she's right on this one. So you should ask the owner. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, "I'm, holy. I'm holy. Because holy, because He's holy, and because He's holy, because he's holy. and He made me holy, he made I holy, I act holy." Now, listen, don't you be set, Pastor Mark. You're going to start preaching on this or that. I, nope. That's between you and it's. You talk to Him. Whatever He says is okay. You, you know, uh, should line up with the Word of God. I just got to be careful. Hallelujah. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Why is it so important that you and I are made holy? Without which no man shall see the Lord. He made you holy so that you could have a relationship with a holy father. Amen. Amen. Let's leave you with, let's keep going. And having, verse 5, and having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You've been adopted. Amen. What I love about adoption is it's on purpose. What I love about adoption is it's on purpose. Somebody has decided to be a father and mother. And in this case, God decided to be our father. It's a special kind of love. It's an on-purpose kind of love. I mean, you can on-purpose have children but I'm just saying, this adoption thing is really, and, and when you really adopt, um, we have the same. We're heirs and joint heirs with the we're joint joint heirs. Co, it means co-equal. That's what Jesus said. Everything the Father has is mine, and I give it to you. He's not a withholder. Everything in Daddy's house is yours. Everything. He's predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure and his will. And so John 1.12 says that he gave us power to become sons. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. And so much you're adopted that you can call him Abba or Daddy. Hallelujah. God is Daddy. He's the Almighty, but He's also Daddy. Hallelujah. Because you've been adopted. Hebrews chapter 2, 10 through 12. For it came, became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons. So Jesus took us from where we were, which was in a dung pile, and He lifted up and set us with the princes. He brought us to glory to make the captain of their salvation. Perfect through suffering. talking about Jesus. Verse 11. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all one. We're one with the Lord. For which cause he is not ashamed to call you brother, sister. Jesus is my brother. You've heard my story over and over again, most of you. But when somebody first told me that, I just thought that was blasphemous. I thought it was blasphemous. Because I've been raised, you know, God is a big, bad God, and he's mad at you and he's going to swat you. He's going to beat you. But Jesus, the Son of God, the Word, the one who created everything, in some respects, wants you to think of him, he's not a, sh- it's almost hard to get out. He wants you to consider him a brother. He's not ashamed to call them brethren. We're part of him. How can he do that? Because his blood cleanses us. His blood makes us one with him. This is weighty stuff. Verse 12. Saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. I'm just saying that your sons and daughters are the most high. You're an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus. And we've just done three scriptures. And it's a lot. This book is so meaty. But meatiness, all right, we'll stick it in here. Comes with a price. 1 Corinthians 16. Maybe I was being led instead of missing something. I don't know. We'll say that. Paul said this, I will tarry, verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. Have you heard that? Did you, you, there was a good sermon, I think, about that. I've heard it here. I heard it was at a women's conference, women's ministers conference. It was here. I heard it was in Chile. The Lord gave Pastor Rondo a real revelation of this, but we had prayed this out a while back. But, but this effectual door, this breakthrough thing was happening in Ephesus. Because it was a base to change the world from the church of Ephesus. And he had to go through the door. But the enemy didn't want him to go through the door because the enemy doesn't know everything. But he knows if they go through that door... Some big things are going to happen. And we have to decide. So I'm going to encourage you one more time. Like the Apostle Paul, like you were told, let's go through the door. Um, I'm not saying Cornerstone Word of Life Church is like the church of Ephesus, although I kind of am. Um, But I, I like to be that. I want to be... I want us to be a church who handles the meat of the word. Amen. But, a, but, a, but a church, the church of Ephesus, remember what really ticked the Lord off. Can I say tick? I did, I did already. It really ticked him off or hacked him off or whatever you want to say. It made him mad. He's like, you have fallen because you lost your first love. So good for you for knowing everything, but that's not enough. You have to keep hot with the love of God. Amen. So, as we study this, let's just fall in love with the Lord. I mean, just studying those three verses. Did he do something for us or what? Did he do something for us or what? He made us holy. We're in a family, we've been given an inheritance. He gave us every spiritual blessing. Shoo. That's just in three verses. That's a lot.